Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is located in Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement, blessing, and an inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us, or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Amen. We are in the final week of our sermon series, Sticky Family. We kind of, we've been going through the, uh, the book of Colossians and uh, today we're finishing, wrapping up this, this sermon series. Next uh, week we're going to be starting a new sermon series uh, that we're going to be calling Margin. And um, so I invite you to, 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 to be here next week, amen. It's going to be a, a good sermon series and it's about creating space in your life for the things that matter. And it's going to be, we're going to touch finances, we're going to touch our time, uh, we're going to touch several different things. And um, I think it's going to be a very, if you allow it to be, Listen, I can get up here and preach every Sunday, but it's up to you whether you allow it to change your life. And if we allow it to change our life, if we allow the Word of God to change our lives, it can impact us in ways that we, that we never thought it could, and, and it changes the way we live, and it, and it changes the, the way we, that we approach different things in our lives. But today we're ending Sticky Family, Keeping Family Together. Um, and we've been in Colossians, so we're going to read our verse today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, then we'll pray. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a, has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm going to read it one more time. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I don't have a, a flashy title for this today. It's just simply about resolving conflict. Resolving conflict. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. We thank you once again for your word. We ask you, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts, into our lives, that we can learn to resolve conflict, that we can take these biblical principles and that we can apply them in our personal lives in our marriages, in our families, our dating relationships, our friendships. In Jesus' name, we pray. Can someone say amen? If you can give God a big hand, praise. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So week one, three weeks ago, we, we started this sermon series, and, and we, we spoke about building strong families. And that the thing that we needed in order to build a strong family was that we needed to have who in the center? It's not a trick question. Who do we need to have in the center? Jesus. I love the enthusiasm today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do we need to turn the lights on so we can wake up? That if we're going to build a strong family, if we're going to build strong, we need to have Jesus at the center of our families. 
Because if not, other things will find their way into the center of our family. Other things will find their way into the primary focus of what we do day in and day out. And we got to make sure that Jesus is at the center of our families. And in week two, we, we spoke that if Jesus is at the center of our family, then something begins to happen within us because now, because Jesus is at the center, now we begin to build sacred values. Things that we used to do and we no longer do because now Jesus is at the center and now we begin to develop new uh, habits, new values that are sacred to us. They're, they're holy. And if you were here last week, we, we spoke on our time and our schedules and our calendars. That because Jesus is at the center and because now we are developing some, some different habits and we're having some, some sacred values. And we spoke that if, that if we're calling something sacred but it doesn't make it into the calendar, then it's not really sacred. Because the things that are important to you, the things that are important to me, make it into my calendar. Make it into my to-do list. They make it into my agenda. Or am I the only one that way, right? If, if I got to go to work, that's important. It's on my calendar. Nothing will stop me from going to work. I'm expected there at 8. I show up 10 minutes before 8. There's a birthday party. Well, that's important. Nothing stops me from going to the birthday party. We, we even go get the gift and we show up at the birthday party. Why? Because it's important. If it's important, then we begin to put it in the calendar. And in the same way, when we begin having Jesus in the center of our lives and we begin building sacred values, holy values in our lives, then guess what? Those things need to start showing up in our calendars. And the truth is that once we figured out what is sacred to us, and please understand, when I'm talking about sacred, I'm talking about holy things. I'm talking about things that, God, that are important to God, things that are important to God and now are important to us. I'm not talking about uh, sports. I'm not talking about hobbies. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about holy things, things that God cares for, that now we care for. And when we figured out what is sacred to us, that I'm talking about the holy values that we hold to as a family. As your family begins to hold to different values. And last week we talked about the big rocks and the little rocks. When you figure out what the big rocks in your family are. When we basically figure all that thing out. All those things out. I would say just about 50% of your conflict is already resolved. Because... If you don't have Jesus at the center and you don't have sacred values, everyone is fighting for the attention. Everyone is seeking their own thing. Everyone is living in a selfish manner because what they want to do is more important than what others want to do. But when your family comes together and says, you know what, Jesus is important. And Sundays are important. Living a good life is important. Having a good name is important. Being authentic is important. Then guess what? A lot of the conflict that you would have because there isn't anything that's holding your family together but now that Jesus is at the center all those things become a little easier to figure out and there is less conflict in your family 
Will there be no conflict? No, I said about 50%. There's still conflict because we're human beings and we, we, we have feelings and we have desires. And, but it's important to figure these things out because that helps us in our conflicts. And I, I want to talk about three levels of conflict today. Okay, we're going to talk about, now I'm not an expert. I'm going to tell you there's a conflict in my family at times. And I'm, but I'm not an expert at, at conflict. I am just like you. I'm figuring things out. But there have been things that we do in our family that do help us. And there are things that we've seen that we've been able to resolve. And, and I believe that in, in, in the majority of families, and, and please keep in mind, I know there's every kind of family here. There are singles here. There are dating relationships here. There are single parents here. Uh, where there's only one parent in the family. There are divorced people here. There are whole families. I understand that. But all this still applies. All of this is still important. So don't tune out and say, oh, well, he's not speaking to me. No, no, no. This still applies to you. You can apply this in your life. And then those of you that are single, when you do have a family, now you have something that you can use to help you in resolving conflict. And those of you that are in dating relationships, now you have something because even in a dating relationship, there is conflict. Those of you that are single parents, even when there is no husband or there is no wife, there is still conflict in the family. So this is for all of us, okay? And every family goes through conflict at some time or another. And somehow you and I, we need to learn how to navigate that conflict, those waters. Because when conflict goes unresolved... What begins to develop in our hearts is bitterness. And when bitterness takes, begins to take root in our hearts, it becomes even harder to resolve the conflict. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, Paul says this, uh, he says this to all of us, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. See, Pastor, but you don't understand what he did. Pastor, you don't understand how my mom treated me today. Pastor, you don't understand what my ex said to me. Pastor, you don't understand what my boyfriend said, what my girlfriend, you, you, I, I got, I can't, what do you mean that the sun can't go down on my anger? Well, this is Paul's advice. This is the Bible's advice to you and I, that you make sure that the sun does not go down on your anger. That somehow he's telling us that you have to learn how to resolve conflict in your life. Somehow you got to learn how to, how to work through these things because what happens, as I said, the sun goes down on your anger. The next day, now it's not just the anger, it's the bitterness that's there. And now it becomes even more challenging to resolve. But there's three levels of, of conflict the first level is the conflict in the family, right? There's conflict in the family. When now we're talking about the husband or the mom and the dad and the children, there is, there is conflict in the family. But I would say to you that the result or the reason that there is unresolved conflict in our families is because there is conflict in our marriages. Go to the next one. So the conflict in our family 
is really a result of conflict in the marriage, and the marriage is not equipped to resolve conflict. And that's the second level. And then the third level, I would say, is that if there's conflict in the marriage, it's because ultimately there is conflict within us. And it's just a, a cycle. Because there's conflict in me, there's going to be conflict in my marriage. And when there's conflict in my marriage, there's going to be conflict in my family. So we got to learn how to work work our ways through our way through these levels of conflict and and today we're going to start with the the, the very important us we're going to be, begin with with you we're going to begin with with me okay and the bible says in colossians chapter 3 this is where we've been reading we read this uh, the past two weeks we've read this but let's see what it says uh, colossians chapter 3 verse 5 put to death therefore Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And then we skip down to verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And verse 8 says, but now you must also. Everyone say, you must also. See, because we understand. Yeah, sexual immorality, I, I can't be doing any of that. Yeah, impurity is no good. Lust is no good. Evil desires, greed, we, idolatry, all these things. We know fundamentally when we become Christians, when we become uh, Christ-centered people, we understand these things, that these things are not right, that they're not, they're not shouldn't be a part of us. But he says in verse 8, but now... You've already gotten rid of this stuff, but now you've got to also rid yourself of what? Of all these things. Anger. Rage. Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Understand the progression here. That you've got to get rid of your anger and your rage. Because your anger and your rage lead to, when you have it inside of you, it begins to lead into an outward expression of malice, of slander, and filthy language. You're not going to have malice or slander or filthy language without having some anger issues or having some rage in your heart. And Paul says you gotta, you got to get rid of these things in your life. Yes, I know that you already put to death sexual immorality. You've already put to death lust. You've already put to death impurity. But you also have to do the, these things. you got to get rid of anger. you got to get rid of rage in your life. And then in verse 13, we skip down to that. It says that you got to bear with each other. You got to forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That, that should speak to us because we all want God's forgiveness. And he's saying, you got to forgive just like God, just like Jesus died on that cross and God forgave you when you accepted him, then you got to also forgive other people. Verse 14, and, all, and over all these virtues, out of burying for one another, out of forgiving each other, you got to put over all that, you got to put this on. You got to put on what? Love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And in verse 15, very, very important verse, let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Now, most of us here, we have to deal with pressure. Whether it's pressure at work, whether it's pressure in the home, whether it's pressure from your parents, if you don't live with your parents, but your parents, you know, they're getting older and, and you got to deal with that pressure or whether it's um, your children now that you're older and you just, there's just things going on in your family that you see, but you really can't get in there like you used to get in there. And there's pressure in our lives, whether it's at work, it's deadlines, it's, it's small decisions, big decisions that we got to make, our finances, commuting, does commuting put pressure on you, sitting in traffic? We, we just came back from, we, uh, for some of you who didn't know, we just came back from Atlanta. And oh, my goodness, Atlanta has some terrible traffic. Did it put some pressure on my heart? Housing. Housing puts pressure. I, I'm going to read these because I wrote it down a bunch of things. Housing, bills, responsibilities, education, extended family relationships, friends, acquaintances, fears, failures, expectations, long-term goals, short-term goals. All these things come together and they put pressure on us. And I could probably keep listing things. And this list doesn't even include your marriage. But yet we all deal with these things in our lives. And in verse 8, Paul tells us you got you to get rid of the anger. You got to get rid of the rage. And he tells us that we, we, we got to get rid of ourselves of, of, of the things that anger and rage produce, which is slander, malice, and filthy language. Because eventually, when pressure builds up within our hearts, when pressure builds up within our lives, what happens with pressure? Have you guys ever used a pressure cooker? Yeah. I'm scared to death for pressure cookers. I think they're going to explode. And although they say the instant pot is amazing, right? But, but you, you, you are, when you put something in a pressure cooker and you're cooking something, once it's done, can you just open the top and take it off? No. Why? Because there's pressure that's built in. You got to. There's a release valve or something to, there's a button that you got to push to release that pressure in order for you to open it. Because if you open it without releasing the pressure, there's some damage that's going to happen either to your hand or to wherever you're at in the kitchen, whatever room you find yourselves in. Pressure in our lives, when you and I don't know how to handle it, it'll eventually spill out of us in a very, very damaging way. And it'll spill out in slander. So what's slander? Speaking about others in a negative way. It'll spill out in malice. Now we, we can't just look at someone and desire good for them. Now we desire something bad to happen to them or, or we desire to do something that's going to hurt them. Then ultimately it leads to, well not ultimately, but one of it is filthy language. And now you have said you're commuting that person cuts you off, and something that you, you didn't expect to say comes out of your mouth. That did not happen in Atlanta, okay? It's, there was a lot of pressure, but that didn't happen. But it, it could happen, right? Come on, let's be honest. These things build up within us. These things, and it causes conflict within us first. First. 
And eventually we can't hold it in. It spills out. Why? Because we are only able to hold on to so much. And the reality is that God did not design you. God did not design me to to hold pressure within our lives. Because the pressure builds up and it spills into our marriages. It spills into our families. And it spills into our everyday life in the form of conflict. See, in fact, many people believe, have this erroneous idea that God, somewhere in the Bible, says that God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's not the truth. The Bible doesn't say that. We are constantly put into situations. And I'm not saying that God puts you in the situation. I'm not saying that that is God's purpose for you to be in difficult situations. But we are constantly in situations that are greater and that are bigger than us. And if we don't know how to handle that pressure in our lives, what begins to happen is there is conflict that begins to spill out of us. And we constantly see in God's word people who are put into situations that are too big for them. So what are we supposed to do? If we're not able to hold this pressure in our lives, if we're not able to hold this pressure in our hearts, what are we to do? Well, we read it, I believe, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It's right there. Actually, go, I think we have it just by itself. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's the solution that Paul gives us. When you get rid of the, the anger, you got to get rid of And it's not that you necessarily... Completely rid yourself of that because there's always that, the times that you get angry, there's always those times that, and, and, and the Bible even says, right, that in your anger do not sin. We are going to be angry at times, but this is what we need to learn to do in our lives. We got to learn how to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And it's interesting. I love what the psalmist said in chapter 118. Go ahead, Ellie. Psalm 118, verse 5 to 6. When hard pressed, when I was put into pressure, I cried to the Lord. And guess what he did? He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere Mortals, what can my husband do to me? What can my wife do to me? What can my child? They really can't do anything because if I cry to the Lord, He's gonna bring me into a place where it doesn't matter how much pressure there is, God's presence in my life is able to handle the pressure of my life. It's a spacious place. See, the truth is that you and I were not designed and we're not called to handle pressure on our own but yet we constantly try to do so we're supposed to bring God along into into our lives and let his peace rule in our hearts and when we do that God moves uh, moves from a pressure uh, from a pressure filled uh, body or a pressure filled person and he moves us to a place where there is peace and now there is room for his spirit. There's a spacious place. There is room for his spirit to be active in our lives because God is working on the inside. Listen, church. 
Whenever I start freaking out in my life, it happens. Whether it's finances. I'm just like you. I, I worry about finances at times. Because of time management. There's just so much to do. I don't have enough time. Because of parenting. And uh, I love my kids. They're, they're great kids. But there's times that they challenge me. And I'm sure there's times that I challenge them too. Because of the church. But look, you guys, you guys put a little pressure. We love you guys. It's part of the deal. It's part of the things that we do. And believe me, there's times that I, that I feel like I'm, there's just so much pressure on me. And, and I feel like I'm freaking out. And it's interesting because I begin to spill out in ways that, that my wife picks it up. And I begin to express myself in manners that maybe I don't normally express myself. And guess what my wife and her wisdom that God has given her tells me? First thing, she doesn't excuse anything. She all she asks me, well, how's your prayer life doing? Why does she ask me this? Because she understands and she's seen my life. And we have come to an understanding that when we are constantly in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We can still operate because there's plenty of space. We can still walk because even though there's pressure, there's peace in my heart. Even though somebody didn't show up at church, I can still smile. I can still preach. I can still worship. I can still sing. It doesn't matter because I am close to God and all that I need is Jesus in my life. And let me tell you, church, all that you need in your life is you got to make sure that you are constantly in connection with Jesus. You want to resolve the conflict in your life? Spend some time with Jesus. It gives you a whole different perspective. Yes, even your pastor at times has to be asked, how's your prayer life doing? Because time gets away from us. And if it happens to me, I'm almost pretty sure it might happen to you too. The pressure of time, the pressure of the things I got to do, the pressure of the preparation I got to do, the preparation of sermons, the preparation of, of, of Bible studies, the things that we do, I still got to work. I still have a children, a parent. I still have a wife I need to take care of. I, there are so many things in my life, and I'm sure there's so many things in your life that you and I cannot afford not to be close to God. You feeling pressure? When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord, and he brought me into a spacious place. Amen. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? See, I don't know how many of you can sit here today. And just give God some thanks because he has been so good. He has helped you along the way. And you are here today. And God is telling you, if there's pressure in your life, seek me. Search for me. That's the conflict within us. And what happens in a family is that many times what happens is that a man and a wife come together in a marriage with a lot of unresolved conflict within and guess what begins to happen in the marriage? 
Now there's conflict in the marriage. But when there are two that come together, a man and a woman that come together, that they know when they're hard-pressed, they can cry to God, and God will move them into a better place in their spirits, that they know that God is with them. When they come together in marriage, there is no conflict in the marriage that they will not be able to resolve. Again, it doesn't, I'm not saying that all conflict will be gone. There will be conflict. When you're married, just ask, what do you want to eat? There will be conflict. Right? But when these two come together and they know who to run to, the conflict can be resolved. The conflict can be resolved. So that was the first one, the conflict in us. And the second one was the conflict within marriage. And in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 19, Paul gives a very succinct, a very practical, and very simple to understand manner in which marriage is supposed to work. It's an explanation of how marriage should be structured. So those of you that are married, we, we need to pay attention. Those of you that are in dating relationships, you need to pay attention. Those of you that are single parents, one day God may give you a husband or a wife again. It's, you, we got to learn and we got to figure out how to bring new values into our marriages. In Ephesians, uh, and in Ephesians, Paul kind of repeats, but he elaborates a little bit more what he says in Colossians. So we're going to read what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, out of respect for Christ, we're reading from the message version. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. And then he starts speaking to the husbands. Next slide. He says, husbands, go all out in your love. For your work. No, wait. Husbands, go all out in your love for your friends. No. Husbands, go out in, all out in your love for your hobby. No, wait. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. If you're going to go all out in love for something, husband, it should be for your wife. Exactly as Christ did for the church. A loved, marked by giving, not what? Mm. And this is where we have it very confused at times in our marriages. And this is not just to the husbands, this is to the wives too, because sometimes we base our relationships on what we're getting and not what we're giving. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. So everything that a husband does and says should be designed to bring the best out of our wives. Amen. One, one lady said amen. I thought all the ladies were going to say amen there. All those ladies in dating relationships should have been shouting. Don't be elbowing, just shout, okay? So Paul is, is giving us a beautiful picture of what marriage 
is supposed to look like when a, a man and a woman let the peace of God rule in their lives and they rid themselves of anger and rage, when these two come together in marriage, now you have two that can mutually submit to one another and to Christ where conflict, where any conflict that may come into their lives, because conflict will come, now there is a way to resolve it. Remember, in a marriage is not about controlling your spouse's behavior. You can't control anyone. And guess what? You can't even change anyone. The only one that can change someone is God. So in a marriage, it really is about changing yourself into a better spouse for that person. My prayer I love how my wife is just, yes, amen. My prayer is, Lord, I, I, I am prophesying another amen. My prayer is that God makes me a better husband for my wife. Amen. <laughs> amen. Wives, your prayer should be that God makes you into a better wife for your husband. Those of you that are dating, that should be your prayer, Lord, that I can be a, 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 the best husband that I can be for, for, for my future wife or that I can be the best wife that I can be for my future husband. Be humble. Change. Let go of pride. Because when it comes to conflict in our marriages, we need to learn how to move from arguments to discussion. Listen, a discussion is about what is right. An argument is about who is right. And there are so many marriages that are having so much conflict because the only resolution that they want is who is right and not what is the right thing to do. What is the right thing for the marriage? What is the right thing for the family? No, no, no. It's about, I was the one that was right. I'm right. You're wrong. And when we have Christ in our lives and when he is the one that's ruling and there's peace in our hearts, it's no longer about who's going to win the argument. But It's no longer about who is right or wrong, but rather what is the right thing. Now, who decides what's right? Well, back in week one, I, we spoke and said, Jesus has to be at the center of your family. And when you put Jesus at the center of your family, this book, the word of God, begins to establish in your family these new sacred values. And when you need to know what is the right thing for you to do, the husband looks at the word and says, oh, it's not about what I'm, what I'm getting. It's about what I'm giving. So what is the right thing to do in this situation? Well, I got to learn how to give to my spouse. I got to learn how to bring out the best in my spouse. Then guess what decides what is right? What decides what is right is the word of God. What decides what is right is Jesus. When Christ is at the center, his word is what determines what's right and wrong. It's his word that develops what is sacred and what is not sacred. 
So there's the conflict within us. There's the conflict within marriage. And then there's the conflict within family. Which is what I've been trying to get to, right? We've been talking about the family. This is where I'm trying to get at. The conflict within the family. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. One more time. It says, bear. Everyone say bear. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Now, if you understand what bear means, there's another Bible version that says tolerate. It means you got to put up with one another. Let's not sugarcoat it. There are going to be moments when your children are going to get on your nerves. There's going to be moments when your spouses are going to be annoying. But the Bible doesn't say throw them out and and kick them out. It says you got to put up with one another and what? Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. So we're going to resolve conflict in our families. We need to do what this verse says. We need to learn how to bear and we need to learn how to forgive. If we cannot learn how to do this, our families will have a difficult time in resolving conflict. Let's be honest. Husbands can say some pretty nasty things. Let's be honest. Wives can sometimes say some very hurtful things. Let's be honest. Sometimes our children, they can get in a, in a place where they're being influenced by others and they're being influenced by friends and they're being influenced by culture, by society, and they can say some pretty ugly things to their parents. They'll say things that you look at and like, whose kid is this? That's your kid. No, it's your kid. And if you haven't had this happen to you, it's because you don't have teenagers yet. And I pray it doesn't happen, but generally speaking, we can all say some pretty ugly things to one another. And as parents, now I want to speak to the parents. You guys that are single, that don't have children, listen up. This is for you too because you're, one day I'm, I'm thinking that you might want to have some children. you got to learn this. As parents in a marriage, our, we are our children's primary role model. They will look at us and they will either be like us or they will decide they don't want to be like us. Think about this. When our children get married... What they learned from our marriage is what they take into their marriage. Now that's a sobering thought. Wow. Paul said one time, be imitators of Christ as I, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Could we as fathers and mothers tell our children, son, just do what I do in my marriage and you're going to be okay. As a, as, a, as a father, can I say that to my sons? How about as a, as a mother, can you tell your daughter, hey, honey, sweetie, if you treat your husband the way I treat my husband, you're going to be just fine. Because they look at us. They look at us. They learn from us. What do they learn from us? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, 7. This is God speaking. This is what they should primarily learn from us. These commandments, this is, this is God speaking. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home 
and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, there should be always a, a constant conversation, a, a constant learning from the parents, from the children, from the parents. That us as parents, we need to be very intentional. That when we're sitting down at home, we're not just wasting time. That when we're walking and driving along the road, that we're not just wasting. That we are making the use of the time that we have because our children learn from us. So when it comes to conflict, how do we resolve it? I believe that the best way to resolve conflict in families is something that you may already do, but you didn't understand what you were doing. And my hope is that by showing you what you're doing step by step, it'll click something and, and you'll realize what you're doing. And I'm feeling the pressure because the keyboard's playing, okay? But I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go quickly here. And what we're doing, what I'm going to outline for you, these four steps, and again, this is not a groundbreaking, this is not something that, oh my gosh, my mind is about to be blown. No, 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 this is very simple. But what I'm going to show you is actually what God does with us. Because at one point, you and I were in conflict with God. But then he sent his son, Jesus. We met Jesus. We gave our lives to Jesus, and that put us in a right relationship with God. And he resolved the conflict that was within us towards, G towards God. So how did he do this, and how can we do this? Well, there's four steps. Number one, you got to understand that there is righteousness. What is righteousness? What is right? What is the right thing? But as parents, we got to walk our children to this, teaching them this is right. This is, this is what you should do. This is how you should act. This is how you should behave. No, that was not the right thing to do. There is a righteousness in our family. There is things that we accept. There are things that we allow. There are things that we can do. But there are also things that are uh, step number two, understanding that you need to understand that is unrighteous. Understand that there is unrighteousness. Who teaches their children what is right and what is wrong? It's not a trick question. Who does this? The parents do. It should be you, mom. It should be you, dad. We should be the ones teaching our children what is right and what is wrong. Young people, when you have children, you should immediately, as soon as you can, start teaching your children the right things. What is right, how you treat one another, how you speak to one another, how you respect one another, how you submit to one another. What is right and what is wrong. So once we have that figured out in our families, which, again, who tells us what's right and what's wrong? The Ten Commandments is a good place to start. And you just start reading the word. You get to gain an understanding of what's right and what's wrong. Number three. Number three. You got you to gotta walk your children along with this. Someone has to repent. Nathan, come here. Andrew, come here. If you didn't know, these are my children here. I think they're a couple of good-looking guys. They look just like their dad. Great hair like their dad. 
See, I'm putting them on the spot here. We have to walk with our children. It doesn't come natural to them that someone has to repent. Someone has to say, I am sorry. Someone has to return to what is right. When they were younger, three weeks ago, no, no. When they were younger, years ago, there were moments when they would get into arguments just like any other brother does. And we have to bring him and say, hey, Nate, say I'm sorry to your brother. And it is amazing. It is. You guys aren't going to be mad at me, right? Okay. It is amazing. And this is not just my children. I promise you this happens in your children. It's amazing to see the pride that builds up at such an early age. That's why you got to take them along the hand. No, son, you have to say I'm sorry. What we would do is we say, okay, say I'm sorry. Now you got to say three nice things about your brother. Remember that? I won't even say what he would say, but... Because he was being a little underhanded with it too. But we had to walk with them. We had to stand with them. We had to get at their level and say, son, no, no. What you did was wrong, son, because he did it too. What you did was wrong. You need to apologize to your brother. You need to say, I'm sorry. It wasn't easy at times. It was hard work. I mean, it would be easier for me just to ignore it, go to bed, ignore it, go read, go ignore it, go watch a show, watch a movie. That would have been a lot easier for me. But if you want to learn how to resolve conflict in your family, and if you want to be a family that's sticky, you want to see a family where you have two young men that grow up to be great men of God and that love each other and that care for each other and that care for their children's children and that they care for their, 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 their nieces and their nephews and they, because there's a good relationship between them, this is what we got to do. We got to walk with them. You got to apologize. You got to say, I'm sorry. You got to return to what is right. You got to return to righteousness. And then number four, someone has to forgive. Hannah, come here. Let's bring the whole family. Pride builds up, guys. So they did something wrong to her. You guys need to apologize. Say, I'm sorry. But now I need to teach her. Honey, you got to forgive them. You got to let it go. Give them a hug. Give them a Give them a hug. See the pride? No. no. Give them a hug. Come on. Someone has to absorb the loss. It's not about who's winning or about who's losing. And someone, because she was the one that was wronged, she has to take the loss, but she, it's up to her to restore the relationship. And I got to teach her. My wife has to teach her. We have to walk hand in hand and say it's going to be okay. But guess what? If they don't see that between me and my wife, becomes harder.
for me to teach him. It's not about who's right, who's wrong. It's about resolving the conflict and being a family. Can you give my children a hand? Amen. You guys can go to your places. We have to walk with our families. In some cases, it's going to be the husband. In some cases, it's going to be the mom. In some cases, it's going to be a mixture of both. But we got to do this. If you want to have a sticky family, a family that on Thanksgiving, they, they're looking forward to getting together, that on, on Christmas, they're looking forward to, to getting together and seeing the family, seeing mom and dad, seeing brother and sister, seeing uh, the nephews and the nieces, and, and, then we got to learn how to resolve conflict. Because if you and I don't resolve conflict, what did I say begins to take root in our, in our hearts? Bitterness. Then I don't want to see my brother. Then I don't want to see my sister. Then when the children are gone from the house, bye-bye. You go your way, I go my way. Because there's bitterness. There's hurt that has never been resolved. I'm going to ask you to stand today. How many have been blessed by this Sticky Family Sermon Series? Amen. Come on, you guys got to tell other people you're missing out. Why aren't you here? There's some good stuff here. And I'm not saying it's good stuff because I'm preaching it. I, but I know that this stuff can help someone. You got to tell them you got to be here. You're missing out. I want to pray for every family today. So... I'm going to ask you as a family, if, if you have your family with you, and if it's not even your immediate family, if it's just your extended family, or, or if it's someone that you really care for a lot, you guys come up to the front, gather together. I'm going to pray for every family here today. That God would make us into sticky families. That God would help us to resolve our conflicts. That God would help us to develop sacred values in our lives. That you and I, as a husband and as a wife, or as a, as a single father or a single mother, or, or as a brother and a sister, that we can make Jesus the center of our family relationships. So the band is going to sing a song. And as they're singing, I'm going to come along and I'm going to pray for each one of you, for your families, for those that are here and for those that are not here. In Jesus' name.